Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're back and fired up. This is Steve, your host, and we're here on WJMSRadio.com as we do each week, talking all things politics and related stuff as to what's going on in the world. I hope everybody is doing well under the uh, strange conditions we are with the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic sweeping across the country. I hope everybody is safe and sequestered and taking all the necessary steps to keep yourselves from getting infected. Mask up, glove up, everybody. We got to stay safe. So let's get right into our show. Uh, we, of course, the coronavirus is top of the news just about everywhere. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in the second segment. But I wanted to start off because there was an, a real out in the open situation of voter suppression that occurred last week and it involved the Wisconsin uh, elections going on and what we had and I believe I mentioned it in last week's show was the uh, Republican Party in Wisconsin moved heaven and earth to uh, work to keep one of their own or re-elect one of their own to the state Supreme Court and uh, what had happened was, due to the coronavirus going all around, the governor of Wisconsin looked to take a couple of actions. One, he wanted to extend the deadline for uh, mail-in vote submission by uh, residents who were voting. And two, he wanted to make sure that mail-in ballots had a chance to get out to every voter so that if they weren't able to get out to the polling place and uh, you know, exercise their vote, they had the option where they could mail the vote in and it would be counted. Uh, in addition to that, the uh, state legislature took some unusual steps of reducing drastically the number of polling places that were available to the public for the election. And to give you an example, uh, in the city of Milwaukee, there was something like 170 polling places and that was cut down to five for a city of 500,000 people. So, you know, when you look at all of these things combined, you see an absolute in-your-face example of what voter suppression looks like. Uh, we've talked about voter suppression for, before here on this show. Uh, we talked about the uh, circumstance in Georgia where Stacey Abrams narrowly lost a race uh, where the uh, person in charge of voter registration and voting was actually a candidate uh, against her for the governorship of uh, the state of Georgia. And, you know, we've talked about other uh, suppression tactics and disenfranchised tactics, moving polling places around, uh, changing hours, eliminating same-day registration. But this case in Wisconsin really, really, really takes the cake. So what we had in, in, in kind of the Reader's Digest version, um, this vote was, among you know, other things, it was a statewide vote to reelect a conservative Republican Supreme Court justice. And this was considered you know, important enough for even the president to weigh in and give his endorsement of the candidate. Uh, the governor, as I said, took action to move the election. Uh, he wanted to delay it by a week. Uh, to expand the deadlines and process for mail-in voting and uh, almost immediately upon announcing that uh, executive order by the governor, uh, the state Republicans filed suit uh, to block that. So that suit obviously was appealed. The suit went up through the, uh, the legal chain of command and it went to the appeals court to the federal district court and ultimately came to the United States Supreme Court where by five to four decision, uh, remember Trump has appointed two uh, conservative justices to the bench at the Supreme Court level. Uh, the Supreme Court weighed in and said that the changes would not be allowed and that the vote would need to proceed. So, you know, when last Tuesday came around and it was election day, you know, there were, you know, incredibly long lines. People were, you know, obviously concerned about, you know, the proximity of people and, you know, how to maintain the, the, the recommended protocols of social distancing and, you know, protecting themselves against getting the uh, coronavirus, COVID-19 
either by you know contact with other people or touching surfaces within the voting the voting you know including the voting machines themselves and you know it just showed clearly that the the effects and the efforts to reduce the voter participation particularly uh, in cases where you know the reduction would favor Republican candidates over Democratic candidates uh, is still going on. What makes this unique is that it was held wide open in full view of the public and the media and it was covered from top to bottom and side to side. Uh, people were in line for hours. They were struggling to maintain the six-foot social distance that has been required. Uh, they were you know, in, in masks and gloves and rightly concerned that even with all these precautions, the number of people who could contract the COVID-19 virus probably will take a spike upward as a result of this. Um, the, the realization, again, as I mentioned, when voter turnout is low, and we've talked about this before as well in terms of how the Republicans' number of voters nationwide and in, in specific areas, how they match up against independent and Democratic voters, and Republicans are actually outnumbered about two to one by independent and Democrats. So any effort that you know they make to reduce the voting of those two groups works to serve in their favor in terms of getting their candidates elected. So the uh, elect the state legislature, as I mentioned, cut the number of polling places by two thirds, and you know the voters were faced with the choice of you know staying safe and staying healthy yet or getting out to vote and you know we we don't have the results yet uh as of the recording of this show uh the results have not yet been announced hopefully they will come out uh during the course of this week and we'll bring you an update on that uh in next week's show but you know again you know we've talked about voter suppression we've talked about it you know from a a historical perspective and you know going back through reconstruction and Jim Crow and all the things that went on in the south with poll taxes and you know having to read and prove you can write and all of the hoops that they made uh, poor and minority voters go through in order to cast a ballot uh, but here we have an out in the open uh, public publicized effort by Wisconsin to skew the vote in favor of one candidate over another. So, you know, it just goes to say, like we always say, you know, you've got to see where these effects are going on and you've got to make sure that you are doing your due diligence to uh, overcome them, not let them slow you down, not let them create an obstacle and, you know, just keep getting out there and exercising your right to vote. Uh, it is extremely important, and you know the Wisconsin case just proves that point. You know, one of the things that we've talked about many times is you know when you're out and you're voting and your numbers are represented, it sends a message to the elected officials that the voters, the people who send them to office, their bosses in effect, are watching, are holding them accountable and that they expect that you know the people they elect to office are going to represent the wishes of the people not the wishes of one political party or the other not the wishes of of any you know big money influences but really when it boils down at the end of the day elected officials need to represent the people who elected them if they're not doing that then it is our duty and our responsibility to show them the door to remove them from office by way of vote and you know make sure that we're putting candidates in place who are reflecting the way we think whichever side of the aisle you happen to be on even if you are you know in this case since the republicans you know have a large majority of state control in this country so even if you're a republican if your candidate is not doing the things locally that you expect them to do, then it is your duty as a Republican to remind them of that fact, to communicate with them, to reach out, get in contact, have a discussion, ask questions, 
do the things that we need to do in order to keep our elected officials in line. And, you know, in related to this and, and another element of this that bears discussion, we talk often on this show about the importance, the critical importance of the down ballot elections, the local area elections. One other thing this Wisconsin vote demonstrated is clearly how important and how critical voting in the local elections are. You know, it, the, the national elections are ultimately important, and we're going to talk a little bit about those, you know, where we stand with that in a few minutes. But when you get down to your state governor, your state senators, your state uh, uh, House of Representative uh, members, your mayors, your city councils, your school boards, your county board, your selectmen, whatever the elected positions are, and let's not forget, in many areas of the country, judges are elected, not appointed, especially at the local level. So your county judges, your, your state judges, many of them are elected, not appointed by the governor. So they too need to understand that you know, they are being sent there to do a job. Uh, yes, they need to be fair and impartial in administering justice under the law. They need to follow the law. But at the end of the day, the, the direction they go has to be shaped and guided by what the voters have told them. So, you know, where you have these uh, elections going on around the country, uh, it is important to make sure that you are aware of what's going on, as we always say, and that you are engaged in voting and getting out there and communicating and doing all the things you need to do in order to hold your elected officials accountable. You know, so this is a clear proof of, of point that the local and state elections are at least equally, if not more important than the national elections, because these are the people that control your day-to-day -day lives. These are the people you know you elect that determine you know what the curriculum is in your school systems, determine how much funding hospitals and schools are going to get in your area. You know if roads are going to be built. This is all done at the state level, not at the federal. So, you know, again, a very valuable lesson, and I hope everyone out there had paid attention to it. If not, go back, research, read up, read the factual sources on what happened in Wisconsin with their election, and, you know, take the appropriate lessons from that. So, you know, in, in, in this show, changing, changing gears a little bit here, in this show, we frequently talk about the air quotes, games that are being played uh, with our elected uh, officials and with the people in office. Um, one of the things that also came up last week uh, was a little blow up over what uh, the president's advisor and son-in-law, Jared Kushner, uh, made a statement regarding the strategic national stockpile. Now, for background and for factual reference, the strategic national stockpile is exactly what it sounds like. It is a, a secret location or locations in this country where vital medicines, equipment, uh, medical supplies, you know, all kinds of things that could be needed in the event of a national emergency are stored so that, you know, shortages can be addressed, uh, resources can be allocated out where needed, and so forth. Well, Jared Kushner was holding a press conference on this um, last week, and under that, he basically said, uh, and remember, he's an advisor to the president, and oftentimes he is, quote, speaking for the president, close quote, in certain matters. In this regard, he said that the national stockpile was for the federal level use, not the state level use. Now, the national stockpile was established in 1999, and it is specifically intended to be a resource that states can go to to draw down needed medicines, equipment, and other supplies that they need to face national emergencies. 
you know, in, in prior administrations, it was accessed for the uh, Ebola crisis, for the SARS and the H1N1 uh, epidemics. These are the kind of things that this national stockpile was designed to do. And not only did Jared Kushner misspeak about the, the reason for and the existence of the strategic national stockpile, the uh, administration went back and changed the description of the stockpile on their webpage uh, to reflect what Jared Kushner had said. So, you know, on the day before, um, the quote was, the strategic national stockpile, and I'm reading from an excerpt from what the website says, the strategic national stockpile is the nation's largest supply of life-saving pharmaceuticals and medical supplies for use in a public health emergency severe enough to cause local supplies to run out. When state, local, tribal, and territorial responders request federal assistance to support their response efforts, the stockpile ensures that the right medicines and supplies get to those who need them the most during an emergency. Now, later on, after Jared Kushner had made his statement, that text was changed to read, and I'm quoting again, the strategic national stockpile's role is to supplement state and local supplies during public health emergencies. Many states have product stockpiles as well. The supplies, medicines, and devices for life-saving care contained in the stockpile can be used as a short-term stopgap buffer when the immediate supply of adequate amounts of these materials may not be immediately available. Now, and end quote. Now, at first analysis, those two statements probably sound very similar, but the key difference is that the the statement that Jared Kushner made and the change that was put into the the description on the uh, strategic uh, stockpiles website indicated that the states have a primary need and responsibility to both have stockpiles of needed supplies and to distribute from them first. So, you know, it just shifted the role of the stockpile from a state support to a federal support. Uh, And, you know, this again is just typical of the, the kind of playing loose with the rules that we have seen over the you know, course of this administration uh, in terms of making reality shape into the same thing that they uh, are talking about uh, and, and basically altering reality to fit the narrative. And to be fair, let, to be you know, fair in the issue, uh, this is not a Republican-only exclusive tactic uh, Democrats have been doing this as well. Uh, you know, we had all of this back and forth with shaping positions done during the impeachment crisis, and a crisis, the impeachment process that went on. We had, you know, discussions on this with, you know, budget and you know, military and all kinds of things. Both sides play this game of trying to shape narrative to fit the expedient purpose of the moment. And this, again, is one of the things that we need to make sure that we are holding our elected officials all the way up to the national level accountable for. You know, this has got to be uh, something where the people let their representatives know we want the facts. We want the truth. We don't want spin. We want to know what's going on in reality. And, you know, the American people can handle this. You know, if you look at in the, in the, the coronavirus response, um, you know, what New York State Governor Cuomo has been doing you know, on a daily basis, he has been giving the straight facts. Um, you know, he has been telling people what is going on, what the reality is, and, you know, uh, probably, you know, 99% uh, no spin happening in terms of what the response has to be and needs to be for the coronavirus in the state of New York. Um, you know, so again, it's our job as citizens of this country to make sure that we are holding our elected officials accountable. 
All right, one more uh, change of gears here. I promised that I would talk about the uh, presidential election. Uh, big news last week, uh, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders suspended his presidential campaign, thus making former Vice President Joe Biden the presumptive nominee of the Democratic Party to compete against the incumbent president uh, for the election in November. Now, you know, this is, you know, a, a, a conclusion of a long process, uh, probably, I'm going to say 20, 23 months ago, we had 27 candidates running for the Democratic nomination. Well, that field has been winnowed down. Joe Biden is the last man standing, and he's going to go up against President Trump for the presidency in November. Now, what is is in process and what needs to be you know moved forward is a coming together not only of Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders in terms of establishing the Democratic Party platform and positions on the issues but I would say it would be incumbent on all of the major candidates uh, you know so we'd be talking about Elizabeth Warren and you know Mayor Pete Buttigieg uh, Mike Bloomberg etc all of those candidates who were you know, viable into the primary season, they need to make sure that they are getting together, that all of those candidates are huddled up to create a unified, unified Democratic platform that reflects the spectrum of what the Democratic Party is today. Um, you know, there's a lot of concern among uh, Sanders supporters that you know, since their guy didn't win, they're not going to vote, or they're going to vote for Trump, or you know, whatever. But you know, at the end of the day, the Democratic Party needs to reflect its constituency as well. So we'll we'll keep track on this. We'll see how it's progressing. I'll bring you updates as they they come out each week. But hopefully, what we'll see is that a Democratic Party that not only represents the ideas of Biden, but represents the ideas of Sanders of, you know, uh, Warren, Buttigieg, you know, uh, Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, all of the, you know, Amy Klobuchar, all of the people who helped shape the presidential election in, in 2020 need to have a seat at the table in shaping the party platform as they go into the November election. So, you know, last week was a busy week. Uh, we're going to uh, take a break here. We'll uh, come back after the break and we'll talk about what else? The coronavirus, COVID-19. You're listening to Fired Up. This is Steve. We'll be right back after this break right here on WJMS Radio. Stay tuned and we'll see you shortly.
from our first segment. We're going to talk uh, a little bit about the uh, COVID-19 coronavirus. Uh, It is, of course, the number one news item around the world, and the impacts are being felt globally, but they're also, you know, having a devastating impact right here in, you know, our country here in America. Um, Giving you a little bit of the numbers, and I know we get this from every news source, but we'd be remiss if we didn't add our take on it. Uh, As of Monday, uh, April 13th, uh, the U.S. is reporting 525,700 cases and more than 20,000 people uh, have died from the coronavirus. Uh, We don't have stats as of yet on how many people have recovered, but you should keep in mind that the uh, mortality rate of this illness is Uh, only about two and a half percent. So the number of people that uh, acquire COVID-19 and survive it far outweigh the number of people who uh, actually will not survive. Some of the more uh, troubling impacts, uh, obviously the economy of the United States has taken a very serious hit. Uh, The stock market has been even more volatile and is now considered being in a bear market category that is, uh, you know, an extended period of uh, shrinkage in the market uh, is what defines a bear market. Uh, Unemployment uh, is is spiraling upward. And as as a personal note, I can add myself into that category as uh, uh, my job was uh, shut down in a reduction in force. So I am among the uh, 19 or so million people who uh, are unemployed at the present time. Not worried about it. I will bounce back. I will land on my feet. Uh, and Fired Up won't be going anywhere. So, you know, there's, there's good news in that, I guess. Um, but, you know, obviously this pandemic has taken a severe consequence on our country uh, our hospital systems, our first responders, uh, all of the the service people that you know keep our country going, from you know grocery clerks and and people who stock the shelves 
to the postal service to shippers and receivers everybody is feeling major impacts as a result of you know covid 19. uh you know we as a country as as i said in the first segment we need to make sure that we are doing everything we can to stop the spread of the disease including practicing our social distance that is staying six feet away from people limiting our exposure to groups to less than 10 people uh, and you know there's been some controversy around that as well uh, several uh, churches and, and parishes around the country in defiance of you know both state and uh, in some cases local uh, ordinances uh, restricting gatherings uh, still continue to hold church services and particularly as this you know past weekend was Holy Weekend where we had uh, both the celebration of Easter as well as uh, Passover for our, our Jewish friends uh, created a lot of agitation over people that felt a strong need uh, especially in these times to you know to seek the comfort of their faith uh, yet were conflicted or were restrained or restricted from you know exercising the the part of that faith that brings them to their church or synagogue or you know temple or you know what whatever in order to celebrate their religion added to that is pretty soon we will enter into ramadan so our our islamic uh friends will be uh, also you know dealing with how to actively practice their faith yet maintain you know social distancing and avoiding gatherings and so forth so it has been very problematic, uh, obviously, for, uh, for us here in this country and around the world. Um, by and large, though, uh, all of the, the news and information points to the overwhelming majority of Americans you know, paying heed to you know, what the official sources are saying, um, paying attention to the requirements that this new normal requires of us, uh, although and, and the, the thing I wanted to talk about in this segment, you know, is, is coronavirus, it's extremely serious. I get that. You know, this is a global pandemic. Uh, well over a million people have been infected with it, you know, around the world, and more will continue to be. It is, you know, orbiting the planet and, and impacting new areas uh, just about on a daily basis. Um, you know, it's very serious stuff, and we, we absolutely need to take it seriously. But I, I did want to kind of maybe find a way to inject perhaps a little bit of levity into the situation. Um, what I wanted to talk about is, you know, I was out and, and on the web, and I got a message uh, from a friend of mine who sent me a video from a pastor who was talking about how the cause of the coronavirus could be directly blamed on the rollout of 5G uh, internet service around the world. And it got me to thinking, you know, th that, that is of course ridiculous, but it got me to thinking about what other, uh, you know, rumors and conspiracy theories and, and falsehoods, you know, are out there that, that people are listening to. So I wanted to, to give you a uh, kind of a, uh, an edited list of some of the uh, claims that are, are coming out of you know, various sources, primarily on the internet, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, you know, Twitter, etc. Um, you know, and, and to give you a sense of, of kind of the, uh, call it foolishness, that people are spreading around about this disease. Now, you know, by no means am I, you know, trying to minimize the impacts and effects of, you know, COVID-19 coronavirus. And, you know, my heartfelt prayers uh, go out to every family and individual out there who has a loved one who has been impacted or affected by this disease. But, you know, sometimes we really just kind of need to take a step back 
take a breath and really kind of try and look at the lighter side of what's going on. Um, so, you know, hopefully, you know, as I said, this is not meant as a minimization of the impact or, you know, not taking this seriously. But here are a few things that I've found that may give you at least a little bit of pause for a, a smile or a chuckle. So, you know, uh, some of the conspiracy theories and, and out there wild claims being made around COVID-19, um, one of the ones that, that came up that I found in my research, it said that vodka can be used as a hand sanitizer. Now, uh, you know, the official word from, you know, medical sources, you know, uh, Center for Disease Control, etc., is that we should be using hand sanitizers multiple times during the day. Uh, and these sanitizers should have an alcohol content of at least 60%. Um, you know, one of the, the surveys, and this one comes out of Great Britain, um, found that people were using vodka as hand sanitizer. Now, you know, personally, I think that is a tremendous waste of good vodka, but it also has no effect on sanitizing the hands uh, in, in, in uh, resisting the spread of the coronavirus disease. Another one that is popular out there now says that if you can hold your breath for 10 seconds, it means you don't have coronavirus. Um, this, as self-diagnostic tests go, uh, is the most simplistic, uh, claimed in you know, false chain emails reported to be sent by uh, NHS staff, theory that being able to hold your breath for 10 seconds without any discomfort claim, uh, confirms that you're not affected with COVID-19. Unfortunately, that one has been debunked. Uh, another one says eating garlic prevents coronavirus. Now, I love garlic, um, but you know there is no factual basis for the, the fact of eating garlic uh, that, that will, will prevent coronavirus. And in fact, eating too much garlic uh, is actually not all that healthy for you. So that one ha uh, has been debunked. Um, one of the more out there ones says that um, the Disney Corporation released COVID-19 to coincide with its launch of its Disney Plus uh, platform. Uh, really? You know, and <laughs> it, it's, it's a coincidence. It has nothing, one has nothing to do with the other. Uh, another one that, that comes in from the out there in the fringe category says that COVID-19 arrived from space. There was a meteorite that crashed in China and began spreading the disease there. Uh, there has been no reported uh, sightings from the, the aeronautic and space communities around the world that any meteor struck the, the Earth uh, in China or elsewhere that might have, in fact, uh, you know, spawned coronavirus here on Earth. Um, Another one is, here it is, the uh, COVID-19 is in fact attacking our brains. Now, you know, there is no uh, factual proof that, number one, exposure to electromagnetic radiation uh, in normal doses, and that includes the doses that are, are used in our wireless and Wi-Fi transmission technologies, um, has a long-term negative impact on the body. Now, yes, if you're exposed to high levels of electromagnetic radiation, such as, you know, occurs, you know, in the inside of a microwave, yes, that can be damaging. But the amount of radiation we get from cell phone towers and, you know, radio towers and, and all of that is a, a small amount we are not exposed to it for long periods of time, so it is not a significant health risk. You actually get more uh, electromagnetic radiation from the sun every day than we do from all of the transmission systems in use on our planet. Um, 
of course, we can't have any conspiracy theory without having, you know, so, someone from the psychic community check in and a, a well-known psychic named Sylvia Brown uh, sent out a text back in 2008 predicting that around 2020 a severe pneumonia-like illness will spread throughout the globe, attacking lungs and the bronchial tubes and resisting all known treatments. Now, okay, this one, you know, take it either way. If you believe in psychic abilities, then, you know, this may make sense. But it's out there and circulating now as one of these conspiracy theories. Now, the, the next two are really wild. So the, the theory is, and again, this one comes from, from Great Britain, uh, that the UK government was baking a giant lasagna the size of Wembley Stadium, and that this was, you know, in some way triggering coronavirus responses throughout the world. Now, I don't even know how you do that. But the idea that, that a lasagna being baked inside Wembley Stadium is causing COVID-19 is, you know, just totally ridiculous. In related one, the French government is reported to have been making a, a huge garlic bread loaf that uh, actually triggered the spread of COVID-19. Um, you know, again, I don't know how people string these dots together. Um, so, uh, another one is, you know, when looking at things that prevent co uh, COVID-19, one of them says is that cocaine prevents, uh, or protects against COVID-19. Um, you know, a conspiracy theory as, as it reads here, a conspiracy theory possibly conjured up by optimistic party goers recently confined to their own houses due to self-isolation the idea that co uh, cocaine prevents against COVID-19 was first propositioned on Twitter. Okay? Whatever. Um, this one is both weird and kind of nauseating. That drinking cow urine also protects against COVID-19. Um, I don't know. I don't know where it came from. I don't know who tried it to see if it worked. But that's just, you know, weird. Um, coconut oil also cures COVID-19. Another one that, you know, people looking for all kinds of different cures are coming up with these strange uh, remedies. Um, the young lady who achieved, you know, viral fame uh, last year, Greta Thunberg, uh, she is reported to have caused COVID-19 to help with her climate change campaign. Okay. Um, COVID-19 is a marketing scheme by hand sanitizer companies. Uh, again, you know, it's, it's out there in the strange world, people. COVID-19, like, as I said with Disney, COVID-19 was created by Netflix to tie in with their new series, Pandemic. Um, again, that's a reach, but, you know, <laughs> people will come up with any excuse and one of the things that, that came out in talking about, you know, the, the need for social distancing stated that Russia has instituted releasing lions into the streets in order to enforce social distancing. Okay, so, you know, strange things coming out of Russia. Um, and, and those ones uh, I found in an article from Elle magazine. Another article I found from Rolling Stone uh, had uh, a bunch of them, and I'll, I'll hit some of the highlights. Um, one is saying that there is, in fact, a vaccine or cure for coronavirus that the government isn't releasing. You know, that one has, has popped up in, in several occasions. Um, another in the, the weird category, coronavirus originated with Chinese people eating bats. Now, you know, number one, the, the practice of eating bats or bat soup is not widely practiced in China, according to factual sources. Um, but, you know, that one raids, raised, that one rates a six or seven on my weird stuff-o-meter. Um, this one that came from Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient Rush Limbaugh, 
states that the virus is no worse than the common cold. Well, you know, I have some friends who have contracted coronavirus, and I'm here to tell you it is much worse than the common cold, and there's no uh, basis for that assertion either. Uh, another one is that you can kill the coronavirus with hand dryers or hair dryers by, you know, applying heat to your hands. Coronavirus has not been proven to be heat sensitive. Uh, it is rampantly spreading through tropical countries that are much hotter in climate than the general temperature here in the United States. So that one falls into the debunked pile. Uh, coronavirus is a viral weapon engineered by the Chinese government, or in another version, engineered by the CIA, to wage war on America or on China. Um, you know, that's, again, you know, because our relationship with China has been severely strained over the past, you know, months and years, uh, that one has, has surfaced and gained a little bit of traction. Uh, one of the more hilarious ones is that the coronavirus was predicted by, wait for it, The Simpsons TV show. Um, the, the show talked about an uh, episode in 1993 uh, called uh, Margin Chains about the outbreak of a mysterious illness uh, with one it, it, supporting to show a newscaster delivering a report about a Corona virus, and I think he was referring to the beer and not the disease. Um, anyway, so you know, do we believe we can believe anything that comes out of The Simpsons, right? Uh, another one, and this one actually is is sort of serious because it, it has the potential to create you know some severe health consequences. Is that a miracle bleach product can cure coronavirus? And this product is. Miracle Mineral Solution, or MMS. It's a bleach-based product that has been you know, touted by people who are anti-vaccine as an effective means of warding off coronavirus. Now, this product contains toxic chemicals and you know, can result in vomiting, diarrhea, and acute liver failure if ingested in large amounts. Again, you know, it, it, it begs the question, who's trying these things and, and why? Um, you know, there was a rumor going around, and this was actually kind of pushed out there uh, by the president, that there was discussion on implementing a nationwide quarantine uh, to occur here in the United States. Uh, that has been officially debunked by the National Security Council. Uh, it has no basis, in fact, and as of today has no intention of implementing such a draconian measure. Uh, another is, you know, taking, you know, huge doses of vitamin C will ward off coronavirus. Now, you know, vitamin C in recommended doses, you know, is, is actually a good thing. It helps strengthen your immune system, but too much vitamin C can have some negative health impacts and should be uh, avoided or limited uh, in its consumption. And the last one that I will, will cover here in our, you know, <laughs> conspiracy theory collection is that coronavirus will go away in the summertime. And this one was actually uh, part of the president's argument for holding back on response to coronavirus back in January as he put out the idea that, you know, when the warm weather comes around, this will go away and so forth. Uh, again, given that the proliferation of the virus in you know warm climate countries, this has proven to be not true, and research is beginning to show that the coronavirus is in fact not impacted by by high temperatures or heat. So, you know, in 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 all of the seriousness that we are dealing with this virus, you know, it does take a a a a moment it is perhaps good for the soul to step back and kind of look for the humor in things um, you know everything is not gloom and doom you know we are going to get through this so you know we can in fact uh, maybe have you know a little bit of a smile to help us make it through our days as as we go through our self-imposed quarantines here at home um, so hopefully, and again, I don't condone any of these conspiracy theories. I just report them. Uh, I don't support any of them. 
Um, so, you know, don't blame me. But, you know, again, look for the things, look for the silver linings, look for the things that, you know, aren't all gloom and doom. And we will get through this episode uh, together and we will come through it out the, the other end and, and look back and admire how well we did in, in getting through it, all things considered. Again, for those that are, are impacted by the coronavirus, for those that have lost loved ones, please believe, trust and believe that my prayers and my heartfelt thoughts are with you and your families. And, you know, again, I'm in no way minimizing, demeaning, or ridiculing anyone that has the, the COVID-19. Um, you know, it, it is not something I would wish on anyone since for those of you that have it, you know, you're in my prayers and, you know, let's keep strong and we will get through it. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Fired Up. Uh, hopefully, you know, it, again, we've, we've given you some information to take to hand. Uh, don't forget, census is out and happening. Please go to my2020census.gov and complete the census form. Don't forget to make sure your voter registration status is up to date and that you are prepared and ready to go vote. Check with your state governments to see about mail-in ballots, what the, stat, what the status is and what the requirements are so that you can avoid you know, going out into public. But if you have to go, mask up, glove up, and let's get out there and vote. That's going to do it for this week, people. Thank you for tuning in. As always, I appreciate it. If you've got any comments or questions, email the show at fireduppradio at yahoo.com. I will see you all next week. Stay safe. Stay healthy, and I will talk to you again in seven days. Take care. Wherever you stand, I'm calling every woman, calling every man. We're the generation we can't afford to wait. The future started yesterday, and we're already late.